welcome to the Youth Development Professionals Guidebook. I'm your host, Michael Garcia. And I'm your co-host, Al Ferreira. Thanks for joining us. Let's get started. During this time, Al and I have decided to address COVID-19 and see what all the amazing youth workers in our community are doing. So please check in to see how the helpers are helping. Thanks so much for joining us. We are very excited to have Professor Dave on with us. Dave, how you doing? Doing great. Hi, guys. How are you? Living the dream, you know, living the dream of five weeks of quarantine. So Dave, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us what, what's going on, who you are. So I think everybody knows you, but let's see for the people who don't. Well, for those of you who have heard of me but don't really know me, I'll tell you the truth. So my name is Dave Malter. I go by Professor Dave. I'm a long-time camp guy. I worked at ACA New York, New Jersey, running the Tri-State Camp Conference. I worked for uh, Pine Grove Day Camp as a full-time assistant camp director for a few years. And I currently run an online master's program in camp administration and leadership. It's the only one in the world. Uh, where we have a 36-credit master's program. I'm also a consultant, a trainer, speaker, conferences. So I, I do a lot. Love camp. My wife is a camp director at a private residential camp in the Poconos here in Pennsylvania. We live in Philadelphia with our two dogs. So we are full-time camp all year long and just loving life. Dave, we're going to jump in. It's crazy time. We've been talking to camps from all over the world. We just interviewed somebody from Venezuela, Canada, uh, the States. How is COVID-19 impacting your business? And, you know, I'm assuming adjusting trainings and you're getting a lot of info on that. Give us some, give us some inside dirt. You know, I think uh, as a consultant and somebody who, who tries to be a resource for camps is really my goal, you know, whether it's on social media or just in conversation every day, what's really changed is just not having the answers. And I think that's something important. And I think it's okay to not have the answers. Just been spending a lot of time talking to people about staying positive, staying optimistic, thinking forward, thinking about what they can do for their communities and their families and their campers at this point. I don't, you know, I've, I haven't gotten that far in terms of what training looks like this summer yet. We've started having those conversations. Will it be virtual training if they bring campers in? Will camps let me go to one camp and then come to their camp? Right? What are their protocols going to be? So there's been a lot of discussion just about, and we haven't really gotten totally into it yet. What you're really describing uh, when you're talking about that is uh, not having answers. You know, there's a certain amount of humility that is involved in being able to articulate that. John Maxwell, who is one mm -hmm. of my mentors, uh, talks about the law of process, that, that leadership is learned over a long time and leaders are always learning. What are you learning about yourself? What are you learning about uh, the industry? So what I'm learning about myself is that I have more patience than I thought I did. Typically, somebody who likes to give answers, likes to respond quickly, likes to not leave things undone. But what I've learned is that this is a great time to read a lot, to look at what other people are doing, take the time to just figure it out, to see how things are progressing, to not rush through it, and just have conversations with people about their process and helping them in their own process of what you just said, Al, which is being a good leader in these times is not having to have all the answers. Because if you give an answer, you know, in this situation that we're in, these answers are changing every 12 hours, sometimes less. 
Absolutely. Right? We used to do, you know, long range planning and, and goal setting that was five and 10 years out, then 18 months, and now it's uh, day by day. Who, who are you learning from in, in that process? Uh, who, who are you listening to that's motivating and inspiring you? So I'm reading a lot of, uh, I read a lot of McKinsey and Company has been putting out some great resources. I'm actually developing some training based on what they're talking about or what, what you need to do to, to get back up and running, because I really see this as an opportunity. I think 2020 is gonna be very different in the summer camp industry. And it's a little bit about doing the best that we can and people will be understanding of that. For me, it's about moving forward and what does 2021 look like and how can we set ourselves up for success down the road? So a lot of just reading blogs, um, trying not to read the news as much, staying informed. I've been doing a lot of observing Normally, I'm a little bit more of a participant, and I've been trying to be more of an observer. I think when you, you asked me earlier about what's going on in the industry, I think there's a lot of uncertainty, a lot of stress, which is leading to a lot of maybe quick answers, quick decisions, insecurities, and I'm just encouraging people to, to take a deep breath, to be patient. And I know it's a financial piece for a lot of people. People are losing jobs and potentially losing businesses. And I, and I have a lot of empathy for that. And I understand that. But I, I think we have to, as a, as a group, as a community, figure out what lessons we're learning that we can implement for later. And it, some of it's as simple as how do we plan for a crisis like this that nobody saw coming? Right? What, what are we learning about our ability to pivot? In your bio, and you mentioned it just a moment ago, you talk about communicating in 2021 and beyond. Where do you foresee either camping or the consulting and leadership industry that you've been a big part of over the last couple of decades? Where do you see that going? How is that going to pivot for us? So I'm a, I'm a real optimist. I'm a, I'm a camp guy, and I think that camp is going to survive. I don't think it's going to look that different down the road. I think we will eventually be able to get back to camp as it was in whatever form that means for you. Uh, I, I do think we'll have to take different precautions and different health measures. I think the ACA has been stepping up and really doing a great job in helping us figure out what that is. And as a consultant, I think part of our job now becomes less of a less of an expert and more of a resource and more of a listener. And I think that's something that I'm actually pretty good at. And I've been trying to hone that skill, really listening to people. And I don't have to be the problem solver every time. I don't think I need to walk in and snap my fingers and all of a sudden, boom, I fixed it. I think we can, we can listen a little bit more. Yeah, I think that's that hit the nail on the head, Dave. One of the things you were talking about in 2021, I've had a couple of conversations with a couple of other camps that are really getting into virtual programming. Not necessarily virtual camp. I know that's a 10-hour podcast in its own right. And mm -hmm. what do you feel that are going to be the 2021 parent expectations of virtual offerings before camp starts next year? As a day camp director, we're putting out a weekly email blast to parents for videos and activities. Do you feel that that's going to have to be the new standard, that new low bar, so to speak, to move forward from? Or do you think it's going to kind of, we're going to regress back and hop into that same pattern we've been doing? So it's a great question. And, and I don't want to portray myself as an expert, but my general feeling is that I think communication is the key. 
it's waking people up to saying we need to be better at just reaching out to our families on a regular basis with or without a crisis. It doesn't matter. I think a lot of the virtual programming that's going on is in response to a couple of things. First of all, schools, because most schools are not doing eight hours a day of programming and parents have, whether they're working remotely, they're essential workers and going to work, they, they can't entertain their, their kids at home for, for that long. It's a really difficult, stressful time for parents. So camps are stepping in with virtual programming as a way to alleviate some of that. Without this crisis, is that a necessity? I don't know. Will you engage with your community as much in those ways when there is school and there is kids outside of the house going to school? I'm not sure. But I do think it's a big heads up that we need to be better about just staying in touch with our families. It doesn't need to be programming necessarily, just what's going on in the world? What does camp look like? You know, one of the things that's always been interesting to me, it's starting in the day camp world and, and now being in the resident camp world and really both worlds now is parents sometimes don't understand that camp is a business because we're not great about sharing what camp is, right? We think it's turn on the lights in June and turn them off in August. And for a long time, that's what it was. For the first probably 50 to 60 years of, of camp in this country, it was a lot of teachers who would end the school year, go to camp, turn the lights on, right, in some way. And I know that's simplifying it. So in the comments later, don't hurt me. <laughs> but I, I think it's turned into much more of a business, just like anything else. I think the internet has changed everything we do drastically. There's so much more access. And there are expectations to have Instagram and Facebook and reach out like that. And we need to respond to that. And if we, it, for those people who haven't done it yet, it's a good wake up call that you can't just turn the lights on. You need to really let parents know what's going on and, and stay in touch with your campers and not just expect that it'll happen. I can't predict, I don't know, but I think that's where this virtual programming is coming from and it's great. I think it's great that people are being creative and, and coming up with new ideas. It's not right for everybody. For some people, it doesn't work for their communities. For some, it does. And it, it's all choice. And we all have to support each other and encourage each other to do what's best for, for their individual situations while still coming together as an industry. Dave, you've talked about the transformational experience of camp. And what you just described was really the transformational experience uh, of our entire culture. Can you share a little bit about what you see our, our families are going through and perhaps some ideas about where we might be headed? That's a great question. I do believe, you know, everything that I talk about with camps and, and, and conferences and working with camps is all about that transformational experience because it's what happened to me. And I see it with everybody, with our staff, with our campers. So I'm going to say that I don't know that this changes our world completely. I think right now it seems really hard, right? What's happening right now is an unknown. It's really hard. But we've been in this country through so many different situations that are not this, but that have been drastic wars and you know the, the Spanish flu of 1918 and 9-11 and recessions and through that constant throughout has been camp that has been a constant that has not changed and the principle of camp has not changed the reason behind camp for the past 75 years or so is to provide these kind of transformational experiences to campers and staff in whatever form that takes right and for me, that doesn't change. For me, camp is a necessity and a part of a lot of what we talk about, and Al and I have had been in these conversations in big rooms about this, is how do we get more kids to have this kind of experience because it's so important. But I know the work that Michael does at his camp, because I've been to his camp in Buffalo, 
is about a lot of these kids who normally wouldn't be able to have this experience and how do we figure out a way to get them to this experience? I don't think that changes. I think it's needed more than ever. I think that this will be will end. Will it change some of our habits and some of the ways we bring people together? Probably, right? But there's countries that have been doing things like this for a long time, right? As I talk to people in China who they've practiced social distancing before, right? They've checked temperatures before. They track people, again, politics aside, because they want people to remain healthy. It's a huge population. We're not alone. It's not the first time something has happened in our country that's disrupted our way of life in some way. And camp has remained. And and I believe strongly that it will. Thanks. We're going to take a break and come back with Dave right after this. And we'll see you on the other end. If you're interested in having your voice heard on this podcast, go to youthdevelopmentpro.com and send us an email. All right. Welcome back. Dave, let's let's take a little bit of a turn here in the conversation. Let's talk about business operations. Like you mentioned before, camp is a business and a lot of organizations live off of the revenues that camps run. And we're not necessarily, I'm not hinting at specific private camps. I'm talking about organizations that have that trifecta of income of membership, preschool, childcare programming revenue, and camp revenue. And right now, you know, the cash flow can only be two or four weeks out. And we're up here in Buffalo, at least five weeks into a shutdown. So talk to us a little bit about how do you plan for that with all this going on? Well, I will say I'm not a doctor. I'm not a lawyer. I'm also not a business expert. So I just want to throw that out there. But from my perspective, and it's not just camps, you know, I live in Philadelphia, where we have a ton of small businesses, restaurants, we had a thriving food scene. I live in an area full of antique shops that are privately owned, beautiful area that have had to shut down. And our, you know, I just read this morning that all the SBA loans have already been spoken for in less than two weeks. So what I think this is going to do for camps as well as other small businesses is change the way that they manage their business and change the way that they think about revenue and cash flow. And it's going to change those ancillary businesses that depend on camp because maybe camps will order later. Maybe they'll, they'll hold off on some things until their numbers are more secure or in case something like this happens again. It will change the way people plan, which I think is probably a good thing. And we want to see this, you know, this industry was growing and the amount of full-time people in camping has grown tremendously since I became full-time in camping. That's all very different. And we want to sustain that. It's just a matter of rethinking how we manage our operations. And somebody much smarter than me will, will help you with that. But I think it's a recognition that people are having. And you know, for nonprofits, I, I feel that it's very difficult. You know, A lot of camps have had to cancel this summer already because their big fundraising opportunities are this time of year. You know, big galas, big events, big opportunities. I work for a nonprofit college. We had to postpone our gala. And that was a big part of our fiscal year. It's our 125th year. We had a huge gala planned for the end of May. So it changes your budgeting. It changes so many things. We have to think about what do we depend on? What do we not depend on? I think is what it comes down to. Yeah, I think you you hit the nail on the head to really understand and take that step back. You may be a first-time year-round camp person, and, and camp is really driven. I know when I started full-time camp, it was a heartstring 
And then I had a conversation with one of my mentors and he's like, yeah, do you understand this heartstring is three quarters of a million dollars? And Mm -hmm. we need to make sure that we're being fiscally responsible with everything. Every year you can't buy this $25,000 thing. How can we get to where that happens every three or five years? And so now's the time again, like Dave, not a doctor, not an expert in, in, uh, in what's going on with COVID. We're just trying to get info out. But for me, looking at my summer, we're still very optimistic it's going to happen. But what am I cutting? What are we not doing? How do I have to drop back? How How is it going to look with only 100 kids as opposed to 200 kids and, and all those things? You got to do the balance of not overthink analyzing too until you have the information because I can sit and make 10 different schedules. Yeah, and you've, you got to play the scenarios out, right? And now that we know this scenario exists, we can plan for it. And, and it's just like the recession in 2008. We, knew, we now know what that looks like and we can plan for it. So you take these as lessons, you do your best to make it through and you use all the resources available to you and you just, you know, you learn and you move forward. And whether, listen, if, if your camp can't survive, which would be awful and I don't wish that on anybody, it's a lesson you learn for whatever your next opportunity is and you can pass on that way. So to me, it's all learning and that helps you get through it as well. So we're not just sitting back feeling bad about it. We're, we're actively thinking about, okay, what have we gotten from this? What you are asserting is really about what you started our conversation with at the beginning of the podcast is that uh, you, know, you don't have the answers. None of us really have any of the answers. Good leaders often evaluate everything around them with that leadership bias. And you have been a leader in this industry for quite some time. And um, so picture yourself six months from now. And what would you say to your Professor Dave today uh, that six months from now, once we've gotten past, hopefully, the, the hurdle of the biggest drawbacks of this entire crisis? So again, I would just ask myself the question, what did you learn? And then what are you going to do with that? What, what, is it, what does it look like now? So we, just, we have all this information. We see what it looked like. We see our faults. We see our weaknesses. We see our strengths. How do we play with those? And how do we change the game for ourselves and the people around us? And I think the hardest part about leadership in any kind is, is weaknesses, is really understanding what your weaknesses are, being able to uncover them, be okay with them, listen to them, and then adjust. That to me is, is one of those skills that's super hard for people. And I get it, right? We're not built that way. Uh, we're not taught that way. We're taught to succeed and be successful and that's important. So I think in six months from now, we really all just have to sit down and, you know, hopefully people are, are taking an account of what they're doing now, thinking about what's happening, writing it down, writing those struggles down, and then six months from now, looking back and saying, okay, what do I do with it? And, and how do I make myself better? Because, you know, improving yourself will help your business. I think that the camp industry as a whole is uh, really quite good at acknowledging uh, not only their strengths and weaknesses, but it's what we teach at camp. You know, we see, especially in like the 24 residential, 24-7 residential type of programming, we see ourselves at our best, we see ourselves at our worst. So I, I want to acknowledge that not, not only is weakness important, I think the camp experience, that's part of that transformational camp experience. Right, and, and, and I will agree that I think as an industry, we're probably better at that than some other places. We're a lot more flexible. We're able to move a little bit quicker. We're more nimble, but it's still, I, I think just human nature and nobody's fault that it's hard. 
it's hard to be self-critical sometimes. You know, even if I think about the end of a summer, right, really hard summer, whether it's day camp, resident camp, and, you know, you just, it's very easy to sit back in August and say, well, that went okay, right? It's much harder to say, okay, that went okay. Now what didn't go okay? It's hard. It's hard to do that kind of evaluation. And I think we are better, absolutely, but it still takes work and we could all probably be better. And this, this has brought up probably some weaknesses for people that they didn't know that they had or that existed because it's something we've never seen. So it's a good moment to really reevaluate and to think, okay, this is my path forward. And this is, this is where I need to fill in the gaps maybe. Maybe I need to take a class or listen to some more webinars or call somebody and get a different perspective. It's, it's, good, it's a good opportunity for some soul searching, I think. So Dave, let's take a little step back from the camp world. Personally, Dave, mm-hmm. not Professor Dave, Dave, mm-hmm. what are you doing to keep your, your, you know, your mental health in line and keeping that balance? How many more walks can you go on? What are you doing yeah. to keep yourself healthy? Well, my wife and I are very lucky. Uh, we, we have the resources to stay happy. We consider ourselves very, very lucky in those regards. We have two great dogs. We have no kids. So no homeschooling for us, just homeschooling myself. Uh, so I'm, I'm listening to a lot of music. I'm reading a lot of books, trying not to read too much news, listening to the advice of my friend, Dr. Matt, who told us not to listen to the news after 10 p.m. And really... You know, just trying to remain positive and understand that this is just a moment. Connect with people. I have, you know, at three o'clock today, I have a book. I have a book club with my nephew and my dad. Right? We're gonna. We just we all read a little bit of Shalom Aleichem this week, and we're all about Passover, and we're gonna have a little book club at three o'clock on Zoom, which is great. What What else are you reading that's filling you up? I'm reading a lot of, I, I'm really bad. I read a lot of different things at the same time. So I'm reading this book. Uh, I listen to a lot of NPR and my wife and I love CBS Sunday morning. So I think on Sunday morning, a couple of weeks ago, they had a story about, you know, you hear about Jesse Owens in the 1936 Olympics, but there were like 17 other athletes, including two African-American women. And you never hear their stories. So they did a documentary, but they also wrote a book about it. So I've been reading that book. And it, so far, I've gotten to, you know, they're, they're tracing these athlete stories from these rural, mostly rural or urban areas. And it starts with the migration of African-Americans from the South to more urban northern areas. And it's just fascinating. Um, so things like that, that are nothing related to, to anything. Again, a lot of blog, business world blogs. I, I love... Um, I love NPR, like I said, I, a lot of Disney Institute. I read a lot of Disney. I'm reading a lot of McKinsey and Company, Harvard Business Review, The New Yorker. Uh, you know, I like to read, so The New Yorker. I'm also getting my doctorate, so I'm, I'm doing some of that as we, uh, as we go through this, although that's a little bit stalled right now, but doing it on camps. So, What, what a thesis to have to write is yeah. about this entire transformation of the camp industry. So that's, right. that's amazing. Absolutely amazing. I start every day. I'm very intentional about every day about putting information in. I only do about 10 minutes of news a day. I can't do any more of that. I listen to Darren Hardy from Success Magazine uh, every morning. And one of the things uh, he, he just suggested this week is that uh, fear ingested affects your biology. And it sounds mm-hmm. like you're filling yourself up on a daily basis and you're relying on other methods to do that. I love the idea of the uh, book club with your- uh, With my nephew and my dad, with, yeah. With your nephew and your dad. So. Now I will say, I will be honest, I'm also watching a lot of TV. I'm like, I got in a lot of trouble when I was a kid for breaking TV time and watching too much TV. I used to run around the house before my parents came home. So not one TV got too hot in the back, so they couldn't figure it out. 
though my you know my parents are pretty smart my dad's a doctor my mom works in a hospital they're pretty, they were on to me so yeah, i have been watching a decent amount of tv my latest is fauda on netflix it's about the israeli palestinian conflict and it's actually an incredible look at both sides and doesn't give a imbalanced view of it which has been pretty interesting i tried to buy a nintendo switch but they're sold out because I thought I'll get back into video games and I haven't been able to, but otherwise just really just things that I enjoy. I'm a huge Paul Simon fan. I've kind of started going back through this catalog of music, probably been to 20 shows of his and listening to just new music, country music that I was not into and trying to get into. So just really just trying to do things that distract me from what's going on, taking walks, like Michael said, but there's limited places you can do that around here. I just want to give a little shout out to you mentioning the tube TV, you know, mm-hmm. for our younger listeners, where TVs used to be double the depth that they were wide. So uh, big tube TVs getting overheated. I may have done that in my, one of my TVs when I was a kid too, Dave. So don't worry about it. <laughs> so Dave, I, I want to thank you so much for spending this time with us. It was, it was great to reconnect with you again, an old friend. And we really, really appreciate if there's anything we could do for you, uh, why don't you let us know how people can get a hold of you and what's going on? Yeah, so I have a lot of time. I'm home a lot. So if anybody wants to just talk, give me a shout. Uh, you can find me at professordave.camp or dave at professordave.camp. I do have Instagram, but not so great at it. And I also have just a calendar. If you want to go to my calendar on Calendly, it's Professor Dave. And just come talk, maybe about camp, maybe not about camp. We can just chat. Happy to talk to anybody anytime. This was really nice. I appreciate you guys having me on. We, uh, we're going to take an, our next commercial break and we'll be right back. Thanks to our friends at Expert Online Trading for supporting the Youth Development Professional Guidebook podcast. Al, you used Expert Online Training at your summer camp. I did, actually. I used them for several seasons at the last camp that I was the executive director. When we were trying to decide the items that we would present during our staff orientation week, there were so many things that we left out. And when expert online training came along, it was like, oh, we can do this ahead of camp. And then people come in and they're already prepared. We even added on to our our support staff, our directing team components so that we'd all be on the same page prior to doing our support staff training as well. It just really made a huge difference. And expert online training has some great folks who present uh, the kind of people that you'd want to see at conferences or that you do make time to see at the different conferences throughout the year. So if you're interested in looking for the highest quality online training for your youth programs, go to expertonlinetraining.com and check them out. Thanks again for all their support. Thanks again to Professor Dave for joining us. Al, what'd you learn this week? I really think what a genuine guy Professor Dave is and how thoughtful he is as, as, a, as a professional in, in the camping and leadership world. His lesson is my lesson is, uh, you know, that we all need to be really intentional about what we are getting. You know, he talked about, he, say, he said it several different ways. What did you learn? And I think, you know, if we keep asking ourselves that question, what did we learn? What went right? What went wrong? And how do we do it better the next time? Hopefully there isn't going to be a next time to this particular situation, but what did you learn? And as a lifelong learner, that just spoke volumes to me. Yeah, I would agree completely. I took notes on, you know, what what he said and what did you learn? And then his follow-up was, what are you going to do with that? You know, what's that next step? Because you can learn it 
forget it and not do anything with it. And you really didn't learn from it. You just heard instead of learning. I think having Dave on was a huge, huge success. I, I love talking to him. He's, he's a good friend and we're very excited and, and hopefully he'll be able to join us in the next few months. Thanks everybody. Stay healthy, stay well, and we will see you the next time. Take a listen to this bonus segment with Professor Dave and Al. You know, something we didn't touch on that we can, if you want, um, is this whole mental health component mm -hmm. that I think is going to be a major issue. And I think you see some of that starting, you know, not to diagnose anybody over Facebook, but I think the stress and already is starting to affect the way people react, the, their thought process, their inability to control their emotions, even online. I'm noticing that already. And, you know, people have already started talking, experts have started talking that this will be probably the biggest mental health crisis we've ever seen in this country after yeah. this is over. Well, in the whole world. I mean, it just, yeah. you think about PTSD and families and, and who serve in the military and, and the results from that. Uh, now it's everybody. Everyone is starting over. We're having this universal cultural changing experience. And, and if we don't take proactive, positive approach to how we come out of this, you know, it just, I'm like you, Dave, I'm the optimist. This is one of the components that leads us to that, where we are all equal. We are all, we do away you with the uh, and I, and I, the, I would hope the needs the climate, of society. You know, unfortunately, the climate that we started this with politically and just the division in our country, I find it, you know, how is this going to come together? right? Will this galvanize us or make us further apart? And stuff like what happened yesterday in Michigan and Ohio makes me think that it's going to tear us further apart, unfortunately, until somebody takes responsibility and steps up and says enough is enough. I always talk about, and I think I've probably said it at Michael's camp when I was there, we can only control our worlds, right? Like yeah. We have our own little world. And our hope is at camp, especially if you do the right thing, and if you treat people right, you send them back into the broader world, better people, and hope that that spreads. But we can only do what we have the power to do. Um, and now you can go and choose a different environment and say, okay, I'm going to get involved in politics. I'm going to get involved in whatever and make that change. But then again, it's only in that little world. And you've got to hope that you can make that change. And then the next person up the chain believes in it and makes it, you know, it's very complicated. It's very hard. But I think we can only do as much as we can. I think people have to remember that so they're not so overwhelmed, right? Because it's so overwhelming right now. Like, how are we going to fix this? Well, we cannot fix it for everybody. We can fix it for ourselves and the people who depend on us. It's, it's the classic Tip O'Neill comment of, mm -hmm. you know, all politics are local. Everything is local. And so you have a sphere of influence in what you do. I yeah. think the, uh, the, the Zen diagram, though, of all of our localities and where we are is that we're all connected. Mm -hmm. because I'm connected to the three of you and you're connected to, you know, and, and so on yeah. and so forth. And, and all that, you know, ultimately there's, you know, 7 billion people on the planet who are connected mm -hmm. in some way, shape or form. And I'm hoping this is the lesson of that. Yeah, me too.